There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guest is an extraordinary young woman, Natalie St. Pierre, who grew up in Colorado and was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at the age of two. She then went through 16 orthopedic surgeries between ages two and 16, but she didn't let any of that hold her back. Today, she's a five-sport adaptive sport athlete, a surfer, skier, mountain biker, paddleboarder, and a water skier, and confidently calls herself an athlete while trying anything. Natalie holds a BA in creative writing and communication from the University of Maine, Presque Isle, and currently resides in Belfast, Maine with her fiance, Cedar Miller. She's also a full-time customer success manager for a leading healthcare IT company. She's a self-proclaimed life enthusiast, a proud mother to her daughter, Trinity, an entrepreneur, an advocate for people with disabilities, and all-around pusher of boundaries. She strives each day to seek out moments not yet had and inspire others to live limitless lives. Natalie St. Pierre, welcome to the Next Steps Forward. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. This is going to be a really fun program. So I've really been looking forward to this, and so thanks for your time. You're such a fascinating person, and I've really been looking forward to hearing more of your story and sharing it with our audience, especially because Next Steps Forward is all about personal empowerment. I have a feeling that if we looked up personal empowerment in dictionary, there'd be a picture of you next to it. For people in our audience who aren't familiar with cerebral palsy, would you share with them what it is, its causes, and the range of its effects? Sure, um, absolutely. So cerebral palsy, in a nutshell, really is a neurological um, disease or diagnosis that really just impacts, um, it can impact cognitive ability, um, as well as um, physical mobility limitations, um, largely stems from a lack of oxygen during birth. Um, so it can result in most often does um, be kind of a an, an extra to premature birth. So I w- myself, I was three months early, three months premature. Um, and so that really is a common occurrence. And CP itself can run the gamut, meaning that it can have a wide range of impact. It can be very mild for individuals. They can have, you know, very limited slight cerebral palsy all the way up to um, severely impaired cognitive and mobility issues. And did your family's doctors determine the cause in your case? Um, not directly. I think largely in my case, it was simply because I was um, born three months early. And I know, generally speaking, it can be brought on sometimes by a trauma, you know, anything that results in early um, delivery. That's really, that's kind of the definitive answer for how things come about. It's just a early delivery situation. And as I mentioned earlier, you underwent numerous surgeries between the ages of two and 16. I'm sure you don't recall some of the earlier surgeries, but what was the goal of those operations? And as you got older, you know, did, would you remember those procedures and how hard was that for you? Um, yes, absolutely. So I think that the goal of all of them was ultimately to increase my mobility or my overall function, right? Um, I had the privilege um, at a really young age to be introduced to not only children's hospitals, but um, trainers hospitals. And thanks to that organization and all of the, all those operations were performed there. And with each one, I just had the ability to have, you know, increased range of motion, mobility, flexibility. So I think with each one of them that was performed, the goal was to just improve my quality of life. You talk about your parents at that time, not really knowing how to navigate the world with a child with a disability and help their child navigate the world. How do they eventually learn to help you navigate the world? So I think, you know, if we, if we look back upon my surgeries, for example, um, in those earlier ages, those were extra challenging, I think, for my parent, my parents. Um, as I got older, you know, 
parents in general, no matter ability or disability, they get they get nervous. They don't want, you know, they want you to be happy, healthy, successful. They fear for your safety. Um, and I think that like all parents, you know, they were just really concerned and wanted to make sure that I had the best available resources and was pushed to, you know, the highest success possible. So um, I don't remember a lot of those early surgeries to your point. However, I do remember, um, you know, my younger years, a couple of the early ones resulted in me being in a full body cast, you know, in the summer months in uh, hot climates. When I was really young, I lived in Oklahoma and that was brutal. Um, but, you know, they were always there. They were always there and doing their level best. And then, you know, after that, uh, when I was older, I had some of my last two surgeries. They were really complex and they required that I reside at the hospital for quite some time. Those were difficult. Those were really difficult. Um, but staying at the hospital alone uh, helped me to push harder and persevere. Your parents tried to help find places that would work well for you. And you said that you might not be where you are today if your parents hadn't been that proactive in making that decision. I think that raises a very good point because all parents sometimes, no matter what their child's abilities, question when to step in and when to let their child struggle through something. Looking back on your experiences growing up, when is the right time for a parent to be proactive to, you know, to step in and when's the right time to let the child struggle through it? I think that those things are situational, um, but in all honesty, as a parent now, I can say that for the most part, a parent's role should simply be to be as supportive as you can be. Um, I think that a lot of lessons are learned through failure. So as long as the child is safe, which in my case, you know, my parents didn't ever, uh, they did their level best to not put limitations. You know, they might've been a little fearful, a little nervous to let me do certain things or take on certain things. But I think they really, really tried to, um, for lack of a better word, you know, mainstream me and treat me as equal to anyone else. And I think um, it was because of that, that I'm so um, successful today even if it made them nervous, they, they did it anyway, you know, and that, that includes like, um, you know, taking out four wheelers for rides and riding motorcycles and just getting out there and trying not to be, um, afraid. So I think for parents, um, it's a balancing act because you're, you're just trying to aim for, will they get hurt? Yes or no. And if the answer is maybe, then sometimes you just roll the dice and, and let them, let the child learn um, from the situation. You know, and obviously you had to work through quite a bit on your own. How do you develop the, the perseverance and, and really the strength that have been so essential to your success? Um, I equate that to be honest. I, I chalk that up to just being tenacious as all get out. Um, there isn't, there isn't one instance or one story that, you know, occurred in my life that said, because of this, I am now going to do this. I think that I've always, from, you know, from the very early days of being a premature baby and fighting for survival, um, I've just always, always believed that I'm meant to be here. There's, there, I have a, have something that I'm meant to do, achieve, you know, I'm, I make the world a better place for one, in one way or another, right? And so I've just always fought and I've always um, aim to push boundaries. If somebody thought that I couldn't do something, the one one thing a person can guarantee, if they tell me I can't do something, I'm going to prove that I can, that that's a promise. Um, so I think that that's what it's all about. It wasn't one pivotal moment in my life. It was just simply my desire to not only want to be here, but to be better. Um, I think that's for everyone. You should get up, you should wake up every day and, and want to be better than you were the day before. Um, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. It doesn't matter what job you have. It's about being your best self and, you know, showing up every day. Tenacious is all get out. I love that. Yeah, and that's something you can't teach. You're, you're definitely born with that. And so I might have to steal that one from you if you don't mind. You can do it. You can awesome. steal it. Awesome. Um, you know, and being better, you know, make yourself better every day when you get up. I mean, that's the whole point of our show is just, you know, to, to get up there and make today better than yesterday, especially during the, the crazy year of, of 2020 we've had this year. And so I, I love that messaging for our listeners. 
I mean, and I, I think that, um, you know, having a disability or living a limitless life, as I like to talk about, doesn't mean that you're, you live a life without obstacle. That's not, that's not what it means it not, or without challenging. It simply is about how you look at that limitation or situation and say, okay, well, how can I, what can I do to A, make this different or how can I overcome to get to the, you know, for lack of a popular phrase, get to the next step, get to the next level. Um, how can I push, push through? You know, and to that point also, if we didn't have challenges, life would be boring. It'd be the same thing every day. Sure. Very you know, mundane routine stuff. And so, yes, some challenges are more difficult than others. And, and to your point, it's, it's, you know, who and what you are inside and outside in terms of how you address it and how you tackle it and how you conquer it. Absolutely. And, and that's not, that's not a disability message. That's a, that's a life message. Exactly. Um, you know, everyone is presented with a series of challenges, triumphs, you know, people with disabilities are no different. You've talked before about going to school, being a mainstream high school student, going to your IEP meetings, learning from an early age to self-advocate. Those experiences aren't something that most kids go through. Having had a different experience than most kids is it possible to compare your experiences and say which ones were good and not so good for you? No, I, I'm, I'm privileged or lucky enough, I should say, not privileged enough, but I'm lucky enough to say that my school experience overall was really similar to my peers with the exception of the fact that I occasionally had to um, self-advocate or advocate with the help of my parents for certain things. A prime example would be, you know, I went to grade school and I attended a grade school that didn't um, have bar accessible bars in the bathroom, right? That made it challenging to use the restroom. So I had to, you know, work with the school to make that change, um, explain to them why it was important to make that change. The, you know, later on, as I got to junior high school, um, I attended a, a high school that the cafeteria was on, or sorry, a middle school that the cafeteria was on a different level. They didn't have an elevator, so they, they had to ended up, you know, they put one in. But these are things that if you're willing to just um, make observations, assess your needs, and advocate and communicate, you can make um, positive change. What should a parent of a child with different abilities know about the effect of those experiences on their child? They need to, I think, remember and be mindful of the fact that the child with the disability is aware, fully aware of their own um, abilities already. So I think it's it's important to just reinforce um, the positive aspects, um, celebrate the uniqueness, and push the the child to to know that despite their difference, they can in fact you know find a way to overcome. I think when a parent, whether it be a parent of a child with a disability or not, um, hones in on one thing or another too much and brings attention to it too much, the child who's already aware can can become extra aware and focus solely on that. So I think it's really important with a parent, you know, for parents with children with disabilities to not hone in on their limitations. Um, and talk about them as opportunities, if that makes sense. Opportunities. I love it. Always making things a positive uh, out of each situation. You said because of your disability that others labeled you a member of a certain class. How did you work to raise above that? You know, how did you communicate that? Hey, I might have a disability, but that's not the reason I struggle with math or English or science. I think when I when I think about that question, it is, it's a little bit less about class and more about um, putting, I, I occasionally would get put into a box, you know, there's this automatic um, assumption that because I have um, limited mobility that I can't partake. Um, that's not so much now, but it, it was, you know, did come up on occasion through grade school and high school. Um, and during those years, I would find periodically that I was more of a spectator than a participant. Um, and I think that it's just about, can you, like the, la the last little section you would ask me of that question, Chris, can you kind of, re oh, yeah, how do I, I address that in terms of, yeah, yeah so I think that, you know, 
yeah, I think that what that is, is just about, you know, being honest with people. Um, going back to being tenacious and proving somebody wrong, I, I never, I'm never offended when somebody makes the assumption that I can't do something, but I'm really honest to say, you know, why is that? Why do you think that that's the case? And then I try to dispel that through dialogue and also, you know, actual proof. Um, when we talk about class, I think, you know, it's important to point out individuals with disabilities um, in general, not all, but on a, a wide array, can definitely feel the impacts of um, socio and economic limitations. It's really difficult, you know, not we, there are instances of isolation, financial struggle, um, and these are things that inadvertently can put individuals with disabilities in a different class. They get, you know, they kind of get, can get shunned away if they don't have a voice and they, they're not sure how to advocate. It can happen and it doesn't necessarily happen on purpose, but it does happen. We're going to talk about isolation later in the show. Uh, we just mentioned about having a voice and, and that's one of the things I'm very excited about having you here today is, you know, people have a voice in you and an advocate. And so uh, urge our listeners to, to reach out and, and, you know, if they're struggling, if they need some help, if they have some questions, you know, how do I deal with this? How do I cope with that? Um, you know, you're such a tremendous person, a human being, um, a role model. And so I, I just love the messaging. It, it would seem that parents today have more access to resources to help a child with a disability. Would you agree with that? And if so, do you think people assume children with disabilities face fewer challenges today than when you were growing up? I do agree that, that there are more resources, but I, I would argue that, um, you know, with evolution of any issue, um, comes more opportunity for resources and organizations and uh, open dialogue communications. So I think um, things have greatly improved. You know, when I was younger, I was um, lucky enough to become connected with children's hospitals and Shriners hospitals, who at the time were light years ahead um, in terms of helping individuals with disabilities, children with disabilities. They were, you know, Shriners Hospital was working with um, children from all over the world, uh, parts of Mexico and beyond. You know, they were able to bring children in and just help them to um, have the surgeries, get the surgeries that they needed and improve their quality of life. And I, I think that we are now um, in this day and age seeing more and more organizations, more and more communications about um, the abilities of individuals that are differently abled. But I don't necessarily believe that that means that there's not necessarily, you know, problems um, to your point. I think that there's more awareness and more acceptance and more tolerance and a higher level of inclusivity, but that still doesn't fully change the landscape um, for a person with a, that's differently abled um, because they still have to navigate. They still have to know where the resources are. Their parents have to know where the resources are. And, they're, and you know, they, along with their parents, have to have opportunity to hear stories like mine and others um, so that they can be less afraid of their child's diagnosis and they can empower their child to, to be, you know, to live a limitless life. Keep getting that message out there. Keep saying that phrase, please. <laughs> please. I know some of our listeners know young people with disabilities, but may feel as if they can't really understand or connect with them, especially when that younger person might be down or just not you know, feeling a little blue or glum, especially in today's world. There are certainly times when you, like everyone, would have felt very down. What things would, you, would get you down as you were growing up? And what could someone else have done to recognize that and make you feel more confident or empowered? I think that I was, you know, I'm grateful enough to have a ton of people in my life that, that really worked um, for the most part, to empower me. But I, I think for me, one of the things that stand, has stood out throughout my life, especially the early years, um, like other other kids, you know, I've, I got, I was worried. I was worried that I, I wasn't going to be able to become a contributing member of society. I was worried when I became a parent that I was going to become a burden for my child. Um, these are not necessarily specific to individuals with disabilities, but I think those concerns are more prominent um, for individuals with disabilities because there are 
um, limitations. You know, there you have to learn about the system and your benefits and whether or not you may be able to someday um, have children, get married, the misconceptions around all of those things. And so I think that that is one of the things I worried about the most um, and not so much that I wasn't empowered to um, make changes or proceed. Say disability does not equal limitation. How did you learn to break those barriers and who are your role models for doing that? Um, I owe a great deal of that empowerment, I think, to my parents, but also my family as a whole. And I really, really loved some individuals um, find that school is a tough place for them. Um, navigating and just kind of fitting in. But I really, really flourished in school. I loved all aspects of school. I was able to always kind of, for the most part, get along with kids. I didn't experience a ton of bullying. I found that kids from a very young age ask a lot of questions. They still do. And I was prepared to answer them in a fun way. You know, a child would come up to me in elementary school and say, why are you in a wheelchair? And I would say, oh, my legs don't work, but look what I can do, you know, and I would like spin around in a circle or I would try to pop a wheelie or whatever, you know, anything I could to, to break the ice. Um, you know, and I think that that went a long way. I loved, I went to college later, and but I loved all of it. I, I found a great deal of empowerment in um, the school environment. I bet you do pretty good wheelies. I'm actually not as good as my <laughs> not as good as my other half, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Competition. Yeah. So people, of course, have many different perspectives and beliefs about spirituality. What are your beliefs, and how have they helped you through your journey? Well, I absolutely, unequivocally can tell you, there's no way I would have been able to overcome and and come through all of the things that I have, uh, particularly with all my operations, if I didn't have a strong faith. Um, I do believe, um, like I said, that that I've been placed here. I believe the Lord has placed me here um, to make an impact. Um, and I believe that I'm never alone when I go through these challenges. So I know that everyone's um, faith and spirituality differs, and that's absolutely okay. I think that individuals with a disability most often, they know in some form or another, they're not alone, um, never alone. And I, I definitely have not been. You've got your faith as, as a backdrop or, or backstop for you, but you said it comes down to you as an individual and wanting to prove that you could do the same thing as everyone else. It just manifested itself differently as you got older. Was there a particular instance or incident, incident that sparked that mindset? No, I think that it's a culmination of, of events, right? Um, you know, one of the the times that sticks out was not too long ago, just probably within the last 10 years where I went from being a spectator, as I, I put it, to more of a active participant in my life. And all that really happened was just exposure to new things. Um, so, and I think that that's, that's across the board. Um, that again, doesn't have to do necessarily with my disability as much as just like anyone else. You can be sitting in a classroom, you can listen to a podcast and be compelled to do something else or explore a different subject. And it can transform you and put you in a different mindset. And I think that the, a lot of those moments happened for me. You talk about going through the same struggles as everyone else. You were married at 19, divorced at 25. A lot of those things had nothing to do with your disability, but explain to people that one thing did not have to do with the other. Was that a challenge for you? Did you find that difficult? Um, I did, but I think I think that the bigger challenge, more so than you know, getting married at 19 and separating at 25 and, and divorced a little later on down the road, was more so that that was okay that you know that was received in general is is one of those things that just happened that's a part of life and people knew that i i wasn't necessarily you know they often would they would i can remember being married and they would approach my ex-husband and they would say oh you're such a you're such a great man for marrying a girl like her and he would he would look at them really dumbfounded and say you know she's she's just She's just Natalie, you know, and, and I think the same thing occurred when we got divorced. People would, why, you know, I don't understand. How could you divorce her? But it, it was just about us as people and, you know, drifting apart. I think that was more um, easy to explain. The 
the difficult part came for me when I had my daughter and even now, um, less so now, but when I had had her, you know, when she was younger and people would just make the assumption, they would see us out and they would assume that she was my niece or uh, somebody I was watching. You know, they wouldn't necessarily correlate that she was my child. That you know, again, I wasn't offended, but it it was just interesting that that would happen. And as she got older, people you know ask on occasion if she was my personal assi- care assistant or caretaker. You know, that was where the jump would occur. And you talk about people's response to to getting married and then getting separated and divorced. You just mentioned you know people's perspective of of your daughter and what her relationship was and is with you. Do some people just automatically make assumptions about situations involving people with disabilities? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, they don't do that on purpose. I think it's just, it like, just like we've had an evolution with disability resources and, and inclusivity. Um, people don't, they're not going to know unless there's more dialogue, much like all the other issues going on in the world. You're not going to learn. You're not going to have more awareness unless you, you know, have the opportunity. So, I never, I don't ever find that to be an offensive situation. I think it's just an opportunity to have a conversation. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back for the second part of our conversation with entrepreneur and advocate for people with disabilities, Natalie St. Pierre. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with Natalie St. Pierre customer success manager, self-proclaimed life enthusiast, and all-around pusher of boundaries. Diagnosed with cerebral palsy as an infant, Natalie is now a five-sport adaptive sports athlete. She moved from cold and snowy Colorado to cold and snowy Maine. Is an active participant with Maine Adaptive Sports and Recreation. Let's get into adaptive sports by starting with how you got into adaptive sports. Was it something that always interested you, you know, and what was the first adaptive sport you tried? Actually, uh, to be honest, I didn't know a ton about adaptive sports until uh, I made the move um, to kind of to Belfast, to where I am now. Um, I owe a lot of my adaptive sport enthusiasm to my um, now fiance, Cedar. He, at the time that we met, was an avid adaptive downhill skier. I call it, you know, we're we're weekend sport warriors. Um, 
he was really active in downhill skiing and it was a kind of an ongoing joke with our friends that if I wanted to see him throughout the winter months that I was going to have to take up skiing. So I, so I did. I was like, okay, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the snow, but sounds like a plan. Um, that's one thing you learn about living in Maine. If you, it's kind of like if you can't beat them, join them type of thing. You, you have to find a way to overcome the cold and the snow. So I, I took up um, my outriggers and, and never looked back. Cause it's probably been a little over five years now uh, that I've been downhill skiing with Maine Adaptive Sports. And I just, I absolutely love it. I bet you're a better skier than him now too, knowing the way you are. Don't Depends on the that, day. Though. It totally depends on the day that the, in all honesty, it does happen. Um, you know, depends on the day, depends on the I conditions. It. I love it. What's the most difficult adaptive sport you've tried? Um, to be honest, so they all, they all have their level of like difficulty for sure. Um, I would say still for me, it has to be downhill skiing because, you know, there's still techniques I have to learn. Um, and you, the more you do it, the more you get a feel for the mountain and, you know, you're looking at certain things and, um, but sometimes I can have a short attention span and I lose what I'm doing and I'll end up, you know, toppled over. Um, a close second though would have to be, I just tried, I tried, um, cross country skiing last winter and that was labor intensive. They are not, <laughs> it's, it's a, difficult sport for anyone but from an adapted seated position it's just like a workout like I had never had and you're you're in full gear you know you got snow pants and coat and hat and mittens and the whole thing and you're just like oh this is more than I bargained for um but it was tons of fun and of course you know like I said um I think they both present their challenges now you mentioned that that Cedar's a, a skier how big of a motivator or supporter you know, is Cedar and your 18-year-old daughter Trinity as you participate in different sports? So I think Cedar's been amazing in that I think we we kind of cheer each other on. Um, I think it's been amazing for us to be able to participate in adaptive sports together. Um, he will tell you that I'm probably a little bit more outgoing than he is. So um, he's a man of few words, as he says, and I talk all the time. So I think when it comes to our sports and our activities together, we really encourage each other. We compete. We're super competitive. We don't often ski together um, because we'll end up, you know, bantering with one another or we'll, you know, critique one another. So we, we tend to, he's a little bit more experienced than me. So he'll go off on the, on the more advanced trails and I kind of stick to the, stick to the greens and the blues and, I'll find him on a nearby black or something. Although um, one time in the very first season that we ever skied, we both managed to, um, we, we are assisted when we ski. We're assisted by a volunteer um, who's tethered behind us on a pair of skis. And we both skied this really awesome black diamond trail, dropped in on this crazy head wall. And he went ahead of me. And I came down just behind him. And it was this amazing moment. We high-fived. It was like we had accomplished this major feat. And it was awesome. It was so cool. So we really push each other. I know you'll, you'll find me on the bunny slope. I won't be doing any black diamonds. You know, the magic carpet? I'm amazed at all the... <laughs> exactly. I'm amazed at all the adaptive sports that are, out, that are out there. You know, roughly how many different ones are there? Oh, Chris, there's a plethora of adaptive sports. I couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, I learn about more and more sports every year. I am amazed at the magnitude of adaptive sports. I know of, you know, a handful, the ones I've participated in, but there are others such as archery, golf, um, you know, pickleball, basketball, rugby. Rugby is hardcore. Um you know, all kinds of cool things. And they're just coming up with new and different every day. Um, in different countries, you know, will have more of a higher profile with different adaptive sports. I recently discovered adaptive um, fencing through a, doc a Netflix documentary. It was, it was nuts. Um, so I think with each passing year, there's more and more innovation to um, just allow individuals to be inclusive at all levels of ability. It's great. Awesome. I love that. And did the adaptive sports unlock a door for you that up until that point you hadn't been able to go through? 
Oh, absolutely. I was no longer on the sidelines. You know, um, I, I remember being 10 years old and wanting to uh, be a cheerleader for Oklahoma University. It's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to school there. Uh, we lived there until I was 10 years old and until we made the move to Colorado. And I, I loved uh, college football. I love football. You know, I loved all sports. And I can remember growing up just watching and partaking and, you know, just like being a spectator in all these different sports. And so when I was introduced to adaptive sports, it was like next level because I was actually in the game, whatever that game was. You know, I was actually there. I was taking part and really, um, you know, putting myself like other players. I was putting myself at risk because there's a level of risk and potential of in injury and all that stuff. And I remember um, friends and family being really excited, but also stunned and nervous about my participation in adaptive sports because, you know, we have to sign waivers just like everyone else to say something could happen. Um, so it's not... It's not a, a um, it's not a watered down version of sport, if that makes let's sense. Let's talk about no, totally. And let's talk about how sports transitioned you into another endeavor. You started working on a blog talking about your sailing adventures. When did you start sailing, and what do you like about it? So I, um, my blog is definitely a work in progress, under construction. But it, I was, I was introduced to the prospect of sailing in 2019 um, through complete, you know, sort of happenstance, serendipity. Um, we have some colleagues and friends through the adaptive sport community um, that were able to showcase or, you know, have a visitor visit with an organization known as the Impossible Dream. And they are crew, it's a crew, um, they kind of crew this this 60 foot barrier free catamaran and i just wanted to, i found out that they were going to be in portland maine which is a couple hours away in 2019 in the summer found out that they were going to be there on a weekend that i was already going to portland to do some surfing adaptive surfing at one of the local beaches and i was like oh i have to check i got to go see this catamaran i had no intention at the time of doing anything other than I wanted to go check out this fully accessible barrier-free catamaran that, you know, wheelchairs could get on and check out and just wheel freely. And I ended up, um, as luck would have it, that turned into an opportunity to, to sail with the crew and serve as guest crew for the Impossible Dream uh, just a few short weeks after that encounter. And uh, that was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Where did that sail take you from and where did you end up? Absolutely. So I, I ended up um, sailing from Newport, Rhode Island. Cedar was awesome enough to <laughs> drive me five hours from where we live to Newport. And I met up with the crew uh, right there in Newport during, uh, they have a huge, like, it was a weekend during um, a really popular yacht festival. So there's sailboats everywhere and we met up with the crew they picked me up and we ended up sailing from newport to um the brooklyn marina in new york city so i was on the boat for um i sailed for about three days total i was with the crew um and while i was crewing with them we were able to take out um individuals like you know with mobility limitations that who were in chairs we were able to do day sails with them so we took out folks to have to allow them to have a sailing experience it was awesome and i've seen the video but what's the website that our listeners can go to to check out the story for the impossible dream the impossible dream yeah i'm sorry yep it, it's, it's the impossible dream.org and awesome. if you're looking for them, you can, you know, you can search Barrier Free Catamaran or the Impossible Dream. The organization themselves is they're out of New York, um, but they during the summer months they can be found docked in Miami, um, and then they sail they sail from Miami up up the coast to Maine, and all throughout their time that they're sailing all through the summer, they're taking out individuals from uh, various walks of life and rehab centers and different things like that so that they can have a sailing experience. So they, they take them out on day sails that last a couple hours at a time and they allow people, you know, folks to be at the helm. They're able to sail and everything is um, electronic so they can help raise the sails. They can help, 
you know, just they can be crew, you know, for a little while. It's awesome. One of the sports we haven't talked about yet is something you mentioned when we spoke earlier, adaptive CrossFit. What's that involve? And what's the, what's the appeal for you? So I haven't tried it yet. It's a, I, I'm a, I have a bucket list of, of things that I someday want to try or achieve. And I'm one of those people that I'm, I don't make resolutions. I make goals. And uh, so every year I have a goal list and that can be anything from like, you know, reading a couple new books or trying some new food. But one of the things on my list that has been there for quite some time is I want to get into adaptive CrossFit and, it's starting to take on, you know, it's starting to gain some traction, but really what it is in a nutshell is it's taking standardized CrossFit, which can be pretty brutal in and of itself and modifying those exercises for folks with all levels of disability. Um, It interests me because I really do see myself as a pusher of boundaries and I feel like physical boundary pushing is something that um, is I've always really wanted to do it because I think that's a whole nother level of pushing boundary right you can you can get go to school get degrees you can try new food travel new places but testing your body and your body's endurance is just next level stuff you say your individual has been thrown the same curveball as the entire world it's about how you're going to handle the curveballs that gets you to that next level. 2020, which thankfully is almost an end, threw a curveball at the whole world with the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition to the virus itself, isolation has caused serious mental health problems for so many people, and we know there's more to come. I've heard, and this is long before COVID, that many people with disabilities experience isolation either because of physical barriers or the way others interact with them. The vaccine is on the way, but we still have a lot of social distancing ahead of us. What's your advice for people coping with the stresses of isolation? Um, my advice. My advice, in all honesty, is to just try to, you know, not give up. Um, do your best to know that you're not alone. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, I know that can be extra challenging for individuals that might live alone that have a disability, or maybe they they were used to having somebody come in their home that they can't now because of social distancing. I think just try not to, um, you know, self-isolate if you can, if you can, because, and just remember that you're not alone, that we are all going through this and we are all experiencing this pandemic at different levels. You know, I'm very fortunate for me that I, that I have Cedar, you know, and I have our cats and I, that we have technology that we can um, communicate with loved ones and that we're, I'm able to work full-time from home. Like these, these, these blessings are not lost on me. Um, but I think for those that are having some extra challenges, just just make sure that you remember that you're not you're not alone. Yeah, that, that's so important. You know, just to remember to to check in with pe- with people to see if they're okay. Uh, but also, you know, if you are feeling isolated, don't be afraid to reach out, contact somebody. Like you said, we've got technology at our, literally at our fingertips. So take that step and, and you know open up a little bit. And just say, hey, you know, I'm having a tough day today, and, and it's okay because, like you said, the entire world is going through it, and it's just starting, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and I would add, Chris, that you know you're um, doing your best. What that look like, what that you know portrays itself as, and looks like, is going to vary from day to day. So if one day you're super productive and you get a lot of things done, and the next day you don't, just don't beat yourself up about it. You know, just get up tomorrow and try again, and just remember that you know we're all going through it. Yeah, and to go back to your comments at the beginning of the show, like you said, reset today and try and make tomorrow better than it was today. That's right. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. That's right. So earlier this year, you had your 40th birthday, but you told your family because of the pandemic, you want to do over, you know, a mulligan as golfers call it in 2021. Right. You want to call it 4041. I absolutely love that as well. Besides enjoying everyday life, did the pandemic cancel any of your adaptive sports events? You know, and are there things you're essentially eager to see happen next year? 
Um, it absolutely did. So, uh, you know, our ski season was cut short because it typically uh, wraps up in um, March, early April. And because of the pandemic, the downhill ski season was cut short. And ultimately, the you know, biking was, um, I think we were able to bike in one instance um, with guidelines and social distancing and and but surfing was canceled and in different things like that so it definitely had an impact um no doubt about it my birthday was also it ended up being wonderful i you know was able to do something small here at home but definitely was not the 40th birthday that that i had thought about for years um and i because 2021 is going to shape up i think to be a really good year on a number of levels for me i I said I want to, you know, a mulligan and uh, I'm going to have a 40-41. I can't imagine what the planning is, is looking like for that, but I'm sure it's going to be something spectacular knowing you. That's terrific. It's going to be a good time. I don't know what it looks like either, Chris, but it's going to be a good time. Awesome. Hopefully I'll get an invite for that one. Absolutely. You know, and we're all dealt really interesting hands and sometimes we're too quick to assume that doors are going to be closed. Earlier you said that as you got older, you realized this isn't the case. This is part of your motto of living a limitless life. Limitless. So. Did you hear me okay? I'm sorry, Chris, I missed that. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there must be some internet connectivity due to COVID-19 again. I think so. You know, you talk about your, your motto of living a limitless life. What changed your mind to be more open-minded and more importantly, limitless? I think that, you know, my idea of striving to limit lim live a limitless life is really has spawned from my desire to um, have as many experiences throughout my life as I can. And, and if, if those experiences empower somebody to pursue something that they're interested in, then I succeeded. Um, you know, I really, I believe that life is, is always, regardless what hand you're dealt, about perspective. It is about how you react to the situation. It's how you respond to the situation. So if I tell myself that my number one goal is to live each day as limitless as possible, I'm going to do that regardless I'm um, you know, cooking a meal, washing dishes, doing the laundry, or, um, you know, water skiing or surfing in the ocean. Is that the name of your blog, Living a Limitless Life? It, um, the, it's right now, it's a work in progress. I think Limitless Adventure, you know, Limitless Adventures. Um, I, I, on there, you know, I'm kind of tweaking it, but I'm working to profile our biking, our mountain biking and our surfing and just our adventures, you know. And I think that people often think that they have to have these grandiose experiences in order to say that they've lived life. But the reality is that anything can be an experience. You can go and you can go to a restaurant, a local joint that you visit all the time and just try something new on the menu. Right. It doesn't it doesn't have to be complicated. I think I see your blog turning into a book or maybe even a miniseries. So fingers well, crossed I mean, on that one. I'm, I'm, I welcome the opportunity. I'm not, I'm not, oppo I'm not opposed to it. it. <laughs> For anyone listening, but especially someone who's living with a disability or some other challenge, can you share with us what we need to do to go about living that limitless life? I think it's really simple, Chris. I think that I would say that just don't give up. I, I think it's not about a disability, really. Um, it, it is, but that statement is broad in that Everyone dreams, everyone dreams, and everyone comes in contact with people in their lives that tell them that their dreams are silly or foolish or not attainable. Um, that may be more so in the instance of, of folks with disabilities, but my words of advice are, you know, don't give up. Like, you know, just, just keep pushing, keep pursuing. Um, you know, surround yourself with people that are of the same mindset and also different in the way that's going to cause you to look at your situation differently. Um, if we surround ourselves constantly with the same people, with the same ideas and the same points of view, then we don't grow. If you are an individual with a disability and you 
are unsure of how to put yourself out there or you don't want to because you you feel a sense of worthlessness or not sure how to you know move forward then that that's it starts with you it starts with your mindset and goes from there no one can help you if you if you are stuck inside yourself and your thought processes you mentioned earlier that today we're in a more inclusive environment with folks being more open-minded and, and really building their talents to individuals with disabilities. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I think that we are in a more inclusive environment in that we've had pioneer disability pioneers that have come ahead of us to pave the way to um, let our voices be heard. Um, but it's up to us still the job isn't done. We have to still be willing to share our stories, you know, make our make our points of view heard and be able to continue to self-advocate so that businesses, organizations, um, you know, in total can know and understand that level of inclusivity and what that inclusivity looks like, because it's going to vary um, based upon your situation. We have just a few minutes left here. What do you hope someone in our audience will take away and perhaps do after hearing your story? I hope today that I just simply um, maybe empower, maybe inspire someone to look past what they see. Um, that can be all kinds of things. That's a simple statement to say, look past what you see, don't make assumptions, ask questions, don't be afraid to speak up, don't be afraid to inquire, and just don't be afraid to learn. Just don't be afraid, that sums it up perfectly. Don't be afraid, right. So you and Cedar are getting married in 2021, is that right? We are, August of 2021. So how excited are you guys? How's the planning coming for that? Well, you know, the plan has been pretty low key, to be honest. I think we we've been together for quite a while, and we're just we're just really happy to um, be getting married. But it, I think it's just going to be an extra special day for us. It's not going to be super grand, but it's going to be us. Um, we're getting married in in an area of Belfast that's really special to us, and I can't wait um, to have my friends and my family. My family's coming from Colorado. My my stepsister's coming from Oklahoma. My best friend's coming. You know, I just can't wait. And I, you know, I just think it's going to be wonderful. So beyond the wedding, what's next for you professionally and sports and adventure and as an advocate for people with disabilities? Chris, I, I don't know specifically, but I say the sky's the limit. I'm really open to any and all opportunities. Um, I think I'm going to continue to flourish professionally. I love what I do um, every day, and I hope that I'll be able to continue to lend my voice to, you know, advocacy and just sharing my story in whatever realm that takes. I'm hoping to get connected with my friends from the Impossible Dream in 2021, maybe do a little sailing, definitely going to get back out and um, catch some waves and just going to live, you know, keep living. Now, I look forward to following your story as it progresses. Thanks, Chris. I Ellie appreciate Pierre, it. Thanks so, much for, no, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Chris. And thank you for of course, our, our pleasure and honor. Thank you for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. Be sure to tell your friends and family that we'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place, with another leader from the world of business, politics, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.